morning. So good to see you here today. And uh, thank you so much, not just for last week, but that specifically and for all of your expressions of kindness and love toward Janet and I. Those are never expected, but always appreciated. Your kindness and generosity is absolutely world-class. Um, I'm serious when I say this. I'm very, very hesitant to even tell people. It, it will be a district council this week. Other pastors will be there. And I, I'm reluctant to tell them how kind you are to us because I, I, I just feel awkward with it. I feel weird uh, There's so many pastors, like Kevin alluded to, that need to get away and that need time to rest and time to reflect in life. And uh, you give us that. We get that. And we have everything we need. You're so good. You're so kind to us. We love you deeply and uh, just believe we are honored <laughs> incredibly to be the pastors of this great church. Thank you so much for your kindness. Well, normally sweater vests go away like end of March, okay? And here, we're still in April, but I brought this one out today because I think this may have been the one that started it all. Uh, I bought this, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago at least, something like that. I don't wear it a whole lot. It's just this like incredibly transparent moment right now. I don't wear it around here a lot. I don't wear it a lot anywhere really because it's got this Pebble Beach thing on here and that makes me feel awkward because people go, have you ever been there? And I'm like, yeah. And have you ever played golf there? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, wow, I would just love to play there one time. They go, how many times have you played there? And I go, yeah. And because um, I've, I've been very blessed to go there a lot with some different meetings and stuff and we play golf when we're there. So it's a pretty incredible place. But this may be the one that started it off. Just so a little tidbit of info for you there. Um, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, what God's Spirit produces in the life of a believer. The important part of fruit is it is a natural response to the elements of life. If you plant a fruit tree, it is normal to expect to have a harvest of that fruit, that apple, if it's an apple tree. If you plant tomatoes, it's normal to, to expect that in time, you'll go out there and you will see tomatoes. It's a natural process. There is a natural process that the more you are filled with the Spirit of God, that you will develop and grow the fruit of the Spirit. So, a few notes for you here. Let's look at Galatians 5 real quick. Now, this series is going to be nine weeks long. It, they Pretty much all the sermons are um, going to be word studies. And so, I, I won't go super deep into it. If you ever want to talk about it, I'll be glad to go deeper with you personally and give more stuff. For every sermon I preach, I probably leave three-fourths of the material I'm reading through and working through uh, on the table, not here on the sermon because there's so much. So I would have quite a bit to converse with you about. Paul says, you've been called to liberty. Do not use your liberty to give an opportunity to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the entire law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I omitted 15 through 21 
Not because it's bad. I just didn't, we're not going there today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. I should have moved the highlight over to joy and left it at love from last week. Sorry about that. Uh, circle the word joy, just so you make sure you got it if you've got the paper there. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Spiritual conversion begins a journey of Spirit-led living. It's not an end to itself. It's not, hey, I got saved I'm done until I go to heaven, nothing else to worry about. It initiates a spirit-led life. Paul identifies this as the fruit of the spirit, which could be described as developing the character of Jesus. Most of the time when we do the comparison game, we're comparing ourselves to people who are maybe of the less savory sort. And we look really good when we compare ourselves against our crazy cousin. When we look at our wacky neighbor and we're like, I'm really pretty good. The only problem is the comparison that we have to make is how do we compare to Jesus? We fall woefully short. The goal of every believer is through the power of the Holy Spirit to be transformed into the image of Jesus, developing his character. Doesn't mean we look like him physically. It doesn't mean we, we wear the clothing that he wore. It means that our character becomes the same as he had. Now, the fruit of the Spirit here is singular, not a pick-and-choose menu. So some of us are like, well, I'm really good at this one, so I'm a good person, so goodness, that's my spiritual fruit. You don't pick one out of the nine. You take them all. You have to develop all of them. Let the Holy Spirit develop them in your life. You don't get to choose the ones you want. This fruit is divine, not human. So it's more than just you trying harder. I'm going to be more loving. How many of you have ever had that, that thought process happen in mind? And for me, almost as immediately as I say it, I'm going to be more loving. Someone comes into my path that tests my ability to love. And often I fail. You know, quit bugging me. I'm trying to be more patient. <laughs> the harder we try, the more we struggle there's a reality that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to control our life every day if we're going to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Just as I said, it's a natural process that when you are connected to Jesus, when you have yielded to the Holy Spirit, you produce these things. It's just as true that when you are not yielded to the Spirit, you cannot produce these things. I heard the best story about this. There's a kid that was a little bit of a, a rascal. He was in the second floor of the house. His bedroom was. There's like a roof and a tree out there. And he often would use the tree to sneak out when he was supposed to be in his room. And he heard his dad talking to his mom one night because it was a barren tree. And his dad said to his mom, I'm going to cut that old tree down. It has not produced fruit in 
in years. It's just taking up space. We need to get rid of it. Maybe we'll plant a new one later, but I'm cutting that tree down because it's not producing any fruit. Well, the son heard this and he just got so worried because that was his way of getting out of the house and escaping when he's supposed to be in his room. So he went, got some of his buddies, went to the store, bought a bushel of apples, came back with some string and tied apples all over the tree. (laughs) Next morning, he hears his dad walk into the house, says to his wife, Mildred, Mildred, come here, look, you're never going to believe what has happened. He said, that tree out there was a pear tree, but all of a sudden now it started growing apples. (laughs) (laughs) Pear trees don't produce apples. And unless you're filled with the Spirit, you can't produce the fruit of the Spirit to the level that you need to. It is a divine thing. The greatest validation of your spirituality is your growth of your spiritual fruit. Spiritual gifts show your ministry, and they're important. We all have them. God's given them to us. Develop them and grow them and use them. But spiritual fruit shows your maturity. Spiritual gifts are unique to each one as the Lord decides, but spiritual fruit are universal. You don't get to be the unloving healer, trying to use a fruit, a fruit in the spirit there, or gift there. You don't, get to, you, don't, you don't get to say, well, I'm this, so I get to avoid that. You don't get to be grouchy just because you have the gift of faith. You, you don't get to, like, eliminate off of the fruit side because you say, well, I got the gift, so that, that makes it up. Two totally different things, both critically important. Both have to be developed fully. You have to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Spiritual gifts grow as we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit. So let me look at joy today. It's the Greek word kara, and um, it is the, God is the source of joy. Is the first thing I want you to see. I'm going to try to go quickly through this. Um, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Nehemiah continued to go and celebrate with the feast of rich food and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day, sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 16.11, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. True, lasting joy can only be found in God. Now, here's the problem why this is so critical for us today is that as a generation, as a nation, especially in the last three years, we, for the most part, have had the joy sucked right out of us. And we've allowed our circumstances to dictate the level of our joy. And we've almost worn it like as a badge of honor. Well, I'm a survivor. I made it through. And it's been hard. And I'll probably never be the same again. It's time for the church of the living God to stand up and say, we are children of God who've been born again, who've been washed in the blood, 
who have been cleansed by the water of the Holy Spirit, who have been sanctified and redeemed, who, who have been loved with an everlasting love, and our hearts are filled with joy. Let the redeemed of the Lord rejoice. You want to talk about making a difference in our world? I don't see joy anywhere in our culture today. I see antagonism. I, I, I see, see incitement. I, I see, I see name-calling. I, I see ugliness. I, I, I see fear. I see anger. I, I, I see hatred. I don't see joy. What happens when the people of God begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, which is fullness of joy? Not a little bit, but fullness of joy. By the way, we're going to look at this here. We'll just go here now. Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Luke 10, 21. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to speak right after that. I just gave you the first part of that text to get that point to you. Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, does anyone remember one of the, the monikers, one of the nicknames, one of the, 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 the descriptions that was given of Jesus that he was called the man of... Sorrow, yet he was full of joy. Well, hold on. Because in our mindset, those are incompatible situations. So consequently, what happens is when we have sorrow, we feel as if all of our joy has been depleted. The joy that God gives us is so strong that it overrides the sorrow. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, despising its shame, ridiculing its shame. There's a joy that God wants us to experience that comes from him. And he doesn't want us just to have it a little bit. But the second thing, God commands you to be filled with joy. Everybody say fill. I love that word. I love when I get in my car and that needle's over on the F. Can anybody bear witness with that? Some of you haven't seen that in so long. It would just be a wonderful surprise. John 15, 9 through 12. Listen to what Jesus says here. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. So we see here that love and joy do kind of connect up. God wants you to have joy that is overflowing. Joy that is seen by other people. Joy that touches other lives. He wants you to know that 
that he provides this for you and commands you to have it. John 16, 24, he says, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. There is a joy in praying. There is a joy in asking and in trusting God. Philippians 4, 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. God wants you to have the fullness of joy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I love Paul, how Paul does this often at the end of a letter. This is one of the best examples of it. He just throws kind of what I call the, the laundry list at the writers like he'll be talking about different things then he gets into the end and it's like 15 things like shotgun style bang 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 you know be happy love each other do good you know stop murmuring he just he goes down this list of all of these just random thoughts and this is one of the best for me because he puts three things in here and they all are connected with the key word key thought you'll get it right here be joyful always Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then he wraps it up with this beautiful bow. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So how many of you think hearing those words that joy is optional? Praying is arbitrary. That being thankful is conditional. No. In all three, he says, these should be the continual marks of who you are. Now, some of you are right now just going, Pastor, I could never do that. You're on the first step of getting there. Because you can't do it. The Holy Spirit does it in you. I think too often some people come to church hoping to hear a little pep rally sermon and like do better, try harder, and good luck. See you next week. Not at all. This is about growing in God that has continual residual in your life. We grow from glory to glory, from point of information, point of understanding, point of revelation to the next. God wants us to be filled with joy. Joy is a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. It results from an awareness of God's love and blessing for us, which is bigger than anything else. Joy is, is based on uh, e eternal things. We'll get there in just a second. It was the normal experience for New Testament believers. Acts 13, 52. Notice this here. And the believers. Notice the, 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 the definitive there. The it doesn't say some. It doesn't say a few. It says the believers giving the inference that this was a universal trait of all Christians. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the holy spirit 
Let me just make sure I'm talking to the right folks today. How many of you believe your joy could use a tune-up this morning? Just say amen. It's time for our joy to rise up in the knowledge of what God has blessed us with. Joy is not based on temporary circumstances, but eternal truth. Acts 5.40 says, They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Anybody ever had a bad week? You know, I, I think that your joy is on the most grand display when things aren't going well. Pastor Russell, I, 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 don't, I didn't pray it would go that way today or whatever. But I think that true worship was seen today that we still do it even when the click track doesn't work or whatever went wrong. And I think it happens, congregation, when we're not worried about what is that, what's going on, what's the problem. We're just worshiping God. And we're, okay, we'll wait. Just tell us what to do. We're here to worship. We're not here to be entertained. I've told you this before. Sarah and Nick were, with, were down there. We were with them. Jan and I were there and a few of us others were there. We're down in Nicaragua on a Sunday for a, a morning worship service there. And I promise you, from my perspective anyway, it was some of the most awful music I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it, it, it was loud. It was at no key. The guy had a little Casio keyboard whacking on it. And I mean, I started to go help him because I thought it couldn't hurt, you know. Um, it was just all over. The music was not good. But the worship was unbelievable. And I didn't sit there going, wow, they need to get somebody trained to play the piano. Good grief. Where's their sound man? What's going on? I looked at the people's faces. And, and, and there's just something about people that are really worshiping God. It kind of shines. See, joy is not about, did you have a good week? Let me tell you a personal, real quick, quick story to this. I'm fine. I'm okay. So I'll start off with that. That's the phone call you get from your kids, right? Everything's fine. There's not a problem. But I got feeling sick. Earlier in the week, in a Wednesday, it kind of climaxed where I didn't feel good at all and went home after work and laying on a, the recliner there and had a cover over me. I was sweating and chilling and all the stuff at the same time and feeling nauseous, thought I had the flu. Got some, some medicines to help with, with nausea. Got through the night. Next day, kept thinking, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel better. Never got really feeling better. Didn't have any energy. And I'm talking to my doctor and he says, you, you probably ought to go to the emergency room and just get checked out. And I go there, and they said, uh, they did all the different tests and whatever, and they said, you have a very severe kidney infection. And I didn't know this at the time. They really wanted to keep me for a couple of days and give me more antibiotics. But they gave me antibiotics, IV, and um, gave me some pills to take when I got home. I started taking the pills, and I think I'm doing okay today. I'm better. I'm getting there. But I was thinking about it. I'd been reading all week thinking about this, that joy is most visible 
when your circumstances are least favorable. And I'm thinking, okay, God, are you kind of giving me the test right now to see if I have joy? Because sometimes it happens. But wherever it happens, wherever it goes, however it happens, I want my joy to remain full. Because joy is not based on my temporary circumstance. It's based on the eternal truth. They flogged the apostles. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. That statement makes me laugh so hard. They beat them up and they go, never talk about Jesus again. The next day... (laughs) That's basically where it goes. Let me give you this preface first. The apostles left the high council rejoicing, rejoicing. Somebody say rejoicing. That God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the sake of Jesus, for the name of Jesus. Okay, so let me back up. They were them to never speak the name of Jesus again. And every day in the temple... And from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is Messiah. You want to talk about a court order that had no impact, that's number one right there. Do you know why? Because of the joy that was in them. Difficulty only adds depth to our joy. It gives us more reason to celebrate because we know all of our problems are temporary, but our faith in God is eternal. And even if we face sickness, even when we face death, even when we lose someone that we love and we can't see them anymore, we can't talk to them anymore, we are not depleted of our joy because our faith in God is eternal. We hold on to him. We know that his word is true. Their joy was found in their ability to teach Jesus. God's joy is complete. He's asked that us, he's told us that we would have complete joy. Jesus has offered that. And when we have that complete joy, nothing human or circumstantial can add or detract from our joy. Number four, joy is developed by dependence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a few things to, to do in the process. And again, I could have gone a lot different, a lot more stuff here, but just want to get the point clear to you. Number one, remember your salvation. Anybody in the room saved? That didn't sound real joyful. Anybody in the room saved? You're getting there. And I'm really not interested in how you respond to me right now. We could hype you up and get you going and whatever, but that's not the key. It's how do you live out every day of your life? Do you remember that you're saved? Do you remember that you've been delivered from sin? Do you remember you've been set free from bondage? Do you remember that you were headed toward hell, but now you're headed toward heaven? 1 Peter 1, 8, 9 says this, you loved him even though you've never seen him, though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Second thing to do in this whole process of leaning on, obeying, and uh, depending on the Holy Spirit is count your blessing. 
You know what I've discovered is that when, when, uh, when you have pain, one of the best things you can do is praise your way through the pain. God, I praise you that even though right now it's a difficult moment in my life, that your faithfulness is without end, that your character is beyond compromise. And even though right now I'm facing something that, that, that is that is difficult for me, that is harsh on me, your joy will sustain me. And I'm going to praise you, Lord. Next, we're going to look at peace. He gives peace in the storm, and he gives joy in our sorrow. So in the midst of my difficulty, I want you to fill me with your joy. Now, sometimes it's a step of faith. Sometimes it's, it's work to get there. But you've got a helper. He's called the Holy Spirit. And can I encourage you with these words? Be filled with the Spirit. I'll try to say this every week. But, but if you don't get anything else, get this. The key is of the fruit of the Spirit, the nine components that's there. The key is this. Be filled with the Spirit. When that happens, these are the things that will come from it. Sing in your sorrow. Give God praise. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Cultivate joy through prayer. John 16, 24, we read it earlier, tells you that experience joy through the lives of other people by making an investment in them. Paul talks about this a lot to the different churches. He says, because of you, my joy is now made complete. What was he saying? I came to your city I lived among you, I preached, I taught, and now that I hear how God is continuing the work in your life, my joy rises. Do you understand if you're not investing in somebody, you don't even have a shot at experiencing that kind of joy. You may never be on a stage to preach. You may never have a microphone in your hand, but you got a neighbor. You got a son or daughter. You got a family member. Make an investment of love into their life so that as they grow in God, your joy is enriched also. John 17, 13 says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. Jesus praying right, right before the cross so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I, I, I like the phrasing here in the NIV, and I wanted to make that real clear and bring it out for you. But there, there's, there's three things there that Jesus says about joy. Number one, he wants you to have the full measure of it. How many of you like having the full measure again? It's his joy 
that you're receiving. So the quality of it is beyond measure. This isn't your joy, it's his joy. How many of you want the joy of Jesus in your life? And he says, and I want to put it inside them. Isn't that awesome? It's not outside that I have to go get it somewhere, but it's in me so that it's always available. Joy is an inside job. It's letting God do the work in you. Psalm 32, 11, I close with this. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Now, it's my prayer in this next couple of moments that God would do something very supernatural. I'm not looking just to have a pep rally crowd moment. Now, I'm also not opposed to a little bit of enthusiasm. But I want it to be genuine. I want it to be real. Emotionalism fades. Enthusiasm stays. God wants you to be filled with enthusiasm. By the way, that word comes from in theos. Theos is God. In God living, that's where enthusiasm comes from. And I don't know where you're at today or what your journey's been like. I know as a nation, I know as a a group of people, the last three years have been hard for all of us. And we've tried to get back on track. And about the time we try to get back, it seems like another wheel slips off somewhere else and whatever. And people have kind of come to this decision. We're never going to be like it was. And I don't know that I want it like it was, but I want it better. And I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. I want to be filled with that joy. I want people to come up to me and ask, why are you so happy? I can just see on your face or something about it, something different. Why are you happy? It's a whole lot better than asking, why are you grumpy? What's wrong with you? I maybe know that those kind of things don't really do a lot. Anybody ever somebody come up to you and go, you don't look good. You feel okay? Well, I did. <laughs> How many of you just join me and say, I want the Holy Spirit to just fill my life. And I want that joy just to, 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 to well up inside of me. And like the Bible says, I want it to even overflow out of me. Now, look, you don't have to go let go of a lot of petty things. Okay, because pettiness will keep you down. I can't believe that that person didn't wave at me. I can't believe that they were so rude to me. I, you know, I'm just telling you, I've had people say that to me before. I saw you the other day, and you didn't even wave at me. I said, it's because I didn't see you. Sorry. Yell my name next time. Honk the horn, whatever. Here, I'll wave at you now. Just let that go for a week, Okay. There, 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 there's absolutely no intent of offense on my part at all. Zero. And they were mad at me for like months. Well, you didn't even wave at me when I saw you out there. Joy has to let go of those things because joy, like love, always believes the best, never assumes the worst. You got to let go of your, your, your 
all of the negative baggage. And I, I started going to list there, but you know what they are. You got to let go of all of your, your things that keep you from having joy in your life. Just got to let them go. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that we hold on to stuff that makes us miserable? Why would we do that? It's like somebody giving you something to eat that doesn't taste very good. And you start taking smaller bites of it, but you're still eating it. This is awful. I think it's spoiled. We keep eating it. But that's what we do in life. We hold on to all of the junk that robs our joy. Instead, we ought to lift our hands and lift our hearts and worship to God. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've provided me with joy that is far beyond, far greater than any problem I could ever experience. How many of you today, real simple and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to work in your life. We're always here to pray with you. We're always here to to help you any way you can. If you need prayer today, see me or one of the staff before you leave. We'll be glad to help you. We've got resources to help you. We've got New Believer Bibles. We've got Growing in Your Faith books out there. We can help you do all kinds of stuff. But I want this to, to be kind of us right now, just making a declaration as a church. I want the fullness of joy that Jesus has for me. If that's you, whether you got a little or a lot or none right now, would you just stand with me all across the room? I want God's joy for my life. Would you lift your hands and worship to God? And would you, with your voice, just speak out right now your love, your praise for God, and just thank him and tell him, Lord, I want your joy in my life. I want your goodness. I want your fullness. We bless your name, Lord. May your people rejoice. May your people be glad. May your people sing for joy. For you are a good God. You are worthy of our praise. May our praise be filled with joy. May we celebrate your goodness. May we be filled with joy so that people notice there's something different about us. Jesus, we thank you for your joy. May you pour it out upon each one of us right now. May we be filled with the joy of the Lord. May we recognize it as our strength and our source of pleasure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're glad for the joy of the Lord, would you just express that right now? If you want to shout, if you want to pray loud, if you want to clap your hands, just express the joy of the Lord.